0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tim and...
1: Tom. Hi, Tim. How are you? Uh, Hi, Tom. Happy New Year. I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Nice to see you again after the holidays. Did you have a good Christmas?
0: I did have a good Christmas. Uh, I had a Christmas of indulgence. Uh, To indulge is to... uh, To do the things you probably shouldn't do. Too much beer, too much food, but had a good time. Um, And um, long time no see, which is a nice way of saying uh, it's been a long time. Um, And uh, what about you, Tom? Have you recovered from World Cup fever?
1: I have, but I still want to talk about it. I'm not fully recovered. I still feel that you and I have more ground to go over. To go over ground means... There are more topics that I want to discuss. So I hope that will be the topic of this episode. Yes, 100 percent.
0: In fact, after the World Cup finished, uh, all of all of my uh, regular podcasts were producing lots of World Cup um, podcasts and I was all World Cupped out meaning i didn't really want to listen to any more world cup podcasts i think uh, there was so it was such an intense world cup uh and having watched almost every second i didn't really need that kind of analysis straight away and i'm sure there's a huge amount of listeners and football lovers and english learners all around the world who are thinking exactly the same so we've had a little cool down period uh to 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 collect our thoughts to to regain some composure to regain some composure to find Calmness again, uh, both physical and mental. And here we are. So we've got some big topics to talk about today. Um, we're going to choose uh, a team of the tournament. I believe you've got a best eleven from different teams, and I've got a best eleven from different teams. It did take me some time to uh, to make that eleven. Lots of battles on the pitch. Um, we're also going to talk about the second best match because I think we can also, or we can all assume that we agree that the final was the best match. Maybe the best. Match ever. So and um, another one we like, a special topic of ours, our learners will definitely have learnt this word on here, shithousery. What was the best moment of shithousery? Let's remind our listeners. Shithousery is uh, those those moments where you're you're maybe outside the official rules of the game, definitely outside the spirit of the game, but you're you're working the game in your favor. And it will be no surprise that both my suggestions come from the same country. So, Tom, (laughs) let's jump straight in. Uh, We're going to choose a best 11. Could you tell me who would you go for as the goalkeeper of the tournament?
1: I can't look further than Emi Martinez. I know it won't be a surprise to our listeners. You're thinking about the final and certainly Emi Martinez shone during the penalty shootout as opposed to Hugo Lloris who failed to save any of the penalties. Uh, But it wasn't just for his performance in penalty shootouts. We have to consider that he did win two of them against the Netherlands and against France in the final. But there were other great moments. He made a a last-second save in the round of 16, uh, stopping Australia uh, getting an equalising goal to go to extra time. Uh, And even before the penalty shootout in the final, of course, there was that fantastic save with his left outstretched leg it was in the dying seconds of the game uh, that prevented France from scoring the winning goal I believe he got a tattoo in that exact place where he made that save um, I believe
0: he may have got a tattoo and I can't remember. I think it's Enzo Fernandez has got a tattoo of Emi Martinez making that save. Um, <laughs> or maybe it's not Fernandez. Maybe it's one of the defenders. But mm-hmm. um, yes, that's a moment we're going to talk about later because I forgot to say to our listeners, we're also going to talk about the most dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. Um I was uh, torn between Emi Martinez, Bono of Morocco and uh, Livakovic of Croatia. I think Livakovic uh, is is the future of of Croatian goalkeeping. He was absolutely fantastic. He made some great saves, some penalty shootout saves. I'm going to go with Bono, though, just because... um, I think Bono represented um the the small the small man overcoming the big man and um just just the spirit the, in which he played the way he celebrated with his children on the pitch but more than that there were some spectacular saves um and to be honest Tom I was I was unsure to go Bono or Martinez and because you went Martinez I'm going to go mm-hmm. Bono um Possibly in terms of defining moments, I think you're right. Martinez, uh, there's two penalty shootout saves, um, two different penalty shootouts and some remarkable saves throughout the tournament. Um, some people will criticise Martinez for, for maybe less uh, sporting moments uh, throughout the World Cup. Uh, and for that, that's the justification I'm going to use for Bono. That's the way I like to see football played with a smile on your face, representing the values of the game.
1: Less sporting moments. I imagine you're going to talk about an incident or you're referring to an incident that happened in the final where he threw the ball away uh, before the French midfielder took his penalty kick. Uh, It was... uh, Chouameni. Chouameni. And, and of course, then he missed the penalty kick. There was also when he received the the trophy for the, the Golden Gloves, there was a gesture that looked a little bit obscene obscene meaning uh not very polite vulgar gesture vulgar yes yes uh yes i wouldn't hold those against him personally but uh yeah i'm purely judging him on his uh performance on the field so uh, but i take okay. your points.
0: so let's let's jump through uh to the back four i've gone with a back four um i'm going hakimi at right back, although he was, uh, he had a difficult day against France in the semi-final. I think any right back would have had a difficult day up against uh, Mbappe uh, and with a limited defence with changes. But until the final, he was the, he was a great defender. He was great, bringing great, bringing the ball forward, uh, working in in uh, in conjunction with Ziege on the right, uh, overlapping, underlapping, uh, some really some great inverted fullback play. Uh, and I do like an inverted full back nowadays with Mikel Arteta showing me the way Um, I've gone Saïs from Morocco Uh, I thought he was an absolute rock throughout Um, I think uh, he he was a surprise, definitely no one was expecting this kind of performance from him Um, and again, when he was injured in the semi-final, I think he was a big loss Um, I'm going to go for uh, Gvadiol Uh, can you help me with the pronunciation?
1: Yeah, Gvadiol of Croatia
0: Yes. Uh, apart from that moment where Messi turned him inside out and then inside out again um, in the semi-final, I think he didn't put a foot wrong. He's only twenty years old, um, and to play like a mature centre back in a World Cup final on uh, in a World Cup in the World Cup finals on that stage, I think was absolutely incredible. Um, A left back, I found actually of the 11, the hardest position to fill. I didn't think there was a standout candidate and a standout candidate, an outstanding candidate to stand out from the rest means to be obviously better. Um, But I'm going to give it uh, to Teo Hernandez. He did have some difficult moments defensively, but contributing with the ball going forward uh, and his pace his recovery pace is something special so Tom uh, how much do you disagree with me
1: we have a a 50% correlation on this one Tim I wonder if you can guess which two players uh, I have also chosen that are on your list
0: I'm going to go with the two uh, centre-backs
1: one centre back and one right back. Uh, okay, I also so Hakimi agree- and uh, Saïs. I agree with your Moroccan selection for exactly those reasons you give. Actually, I, I even give Hakimi a bit more credit in the France game. I felt the best uh, Morocco had in going forward was with the, the triangles that were being made with Hakimi and Ziyech, as you mentioned, on the right side. They were more vulnerable in the middle. Uh, and that, in part, was down to Roman Sais going off with the hamstring injury after 20 minutes. Then we saw that Morocco were unable to rely on that uh, ball coming from their centre backs to their midfield all the time. So uh, definitely, the Moroccans. I'm with you on my left back is different. Uh, I was totally won over by uh, a player with a first name I love, Purvis. Purvis. Okay. Estupinon, the uh, the Valencia sorry, uh, Valencia was ahead of him, the Ecuadorian left back. Uh, now, I have to say that he was playing a little bit more pushed forward into a, into a kind of midfield uh, wingback uh, position. But I thought he was immense. He was one of the leaders on that team uh, for Ecuador. And uh, even though he's only 27 years old, uh, I believe, I, or he's in his mid-20s, Uh, He looked like a real true captain. physically, technically. Uh, He shone for me in that tournament, and I'm sure Brighton fans will be rubbing their hands with joy that they have a player whose value must have gone up so much
0: and that ecuador side did they had a really good capacity to work together to bring the ball out of defense uh, working in close groups um you you could see there was a lot of tactical intelligence and technical quality in that side
1: uh, you could so see i will
0: yeah. give i'll give you
1: that one tom mm-hmm. i'll give you that one um, you could so you could certainly see that in the group game against the netherlands they outplayed the netherlands in in the, that first group game against them uh, the, um... you, you probably want to know who my other centre-back is. Oh, yes, of course.
0: Mm-hmm, Don't my... say Harry Maguire.
1: Oh, it's funny you should mention it because uh, I've been tossing up on this one. I, I was looking at Gavadiol as well, but I couldn't forgive him for uh, you know Messi beating him twice like that uh, with the 16-year age gap between them. Uh, albeit Messi being the best player in the world, so I was thinking Dejan Lovren was fantastic alongside him. He he didn't put a foot wrong in the tournament. I was also looking at the Japanese captain Yoshida. I thought uh, played his some really player. good stuff. Uh, he well he's a oh, no, ex- Southampton player. He, course, he was in the yes. Premier League with Southampton for a few years. I don't know where he is now. Uh, I liked one of the Australian centre backs as well. I believe he was called Harry Suter. He was a big, tall blonde fellow who who again looked world class which is which is apologies to Australian fans a bit of a surprise when you look at that Australian squad but I didn't go with any of them in the end I did choose Harry Maguire uh the salvation uh the man who has suffered immense ridicule on the internet the amount of memes. Uh, displaying all of Harry Maguire's errors in the last year or two. And his facial
0: expressions whilst making those errors. They're the best parts.
1: That's right. I felt like he had a brilliant tournament. Uh, We have to consider he even got an assist, I believe, for what he nearly scored a couple of fantastic headers. Uh, Obviously, it would have been better if he did score that one against France, in particular in the quarterfinals. But... I was looking at the other centre-backs and there were no centre-backs who scored more than one goal. Uh, I saw Pepe got a very good goal, but he didn't play consistently for Portugal. So um, I'm going with Maguire. Well,
0: I, I, I've got um, I've got my 11, but I've also in a couple of positions uh, written the names of people who were unlucky to miss out. Um, and, uh, and for the two centre-back positions, the people who I said were unlucky to miss out were Maguire and uh, Romero. As well, the Argentina um, centre-back, he played very well. But, of course, he's a Tottenham player, so that was totally impossible for me to choose in the best 11. Um So, moving on to the midfield, Tom, why don't you give me your midfield first? Let's work with the three centre midfielders. I presume
1: we're going for three centre midfielders? I'm not Tim. I'm choosing a different formation from you. I'm going for a 4-2-3-1. So I've got a double pivot with two defensive midfielders. Shall okay, I go with but
0: that? I I'd like to take issue with that. A 4-2-3-1, a 4-3-3. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's many ways to call the, there's to call these formations, but essentially you've got three midfielders. You've got you've got two people sitting and one in front. And that's what I've got as well. So so let's 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 agree okay. to, to to disagree but let, agree at the same time.
1: Okay, so you want uh, uh, three midfielders and then you've got three ahead of that. Have you got a 4 3 3?
0: Yes. So I've got two defensive midfielders and one attacking midfielder in front of them, and then two wide players and a striker.
1: Okay, I can do that. I can adapt to that. Uh, I have gone with uh, Sofiane Amrabat, Morocco, Fiorentina's centre midfielder. Absolutely fantastic, the whole tournament. Obviously, Morocco were a bit outclassed and unlucky with injuries in the semi-final against France. But I thought he was crucial to that style where they surrendered possession. But then they did need that quick outlet for the counterattacks. And he was usually their man. If you look at their counterattacking goals or their chances, you'll see him in there uh, with his passes through the channels, which opened Morocco on the attack. So Amrabat, first choice. Second choice, a young player who really, really impressed me this tournament. Uh, He was head and shoulders above all of his countrymen. Every game I watched, I'm choosing Tyler Adams of the United States of America. Okay. Uh, That might be a little bit of a surprise pick, uh, considering, of course, I've had to drop Enzo Fernandez uh, for him or even Rodrigo de Paul, who we talked about. Uh, But I'm choosing Tyler Adams because... He looked older than he, his years and just watching him positionally, uh, he was perfect. I, I didn't I didn't see him make any mistakes in the whole tournament, in the four games they played. Thirdly and finally, to accommodate your 4-3-3, I'm dropping Musiala back into the midfield as, as one of the three. I know he's got wonderful dribbling ability uh, but I've chosen him because I've got three even more attacking or wider players in front of him. So Musiala for me, uh, he showed uh, where where what, what earned him the place in my team was that game when Spain played Germany and uh, Germany were on the edge of elimination. And uh, we were expecting Gabi and Pedri, the Spanish young guns, to shine But really, it was Musiala who stood out for me uh, in that midfield battle that was going on. Uh, And I thought it was a real shame that his tournament ended early because I thought he proved he was uh, a phenomenal talent.
0: Okay, well, I can agree with uh, one of your calls, definitely. Um, But I've gone for a slightly different outlook in the midfield uh maybe a little bit more solid uh, i i agree with your defensive midfielder amrabat i thought he was the heartbeat of the side which means he was the the uh the the thing at the center of it all um and then I've gone uh for a player. It was a very difficult decision. I liked the the, the language you uh, you said earlier. It was a toss-up between, meaning it was like a flip of a coin. Uh it was a 50-50 decision, uh, between Luka Modric and uh, Antonio Griezmann, Antoine Griezmann, sorry. Um, and uh I went for Modric in the end uh, because I thought he was so dynamic. He was offering for the ball from the defence. He was he uh, he was uh, he was the deepest midfielder at times. He was also the link man at times. He was also the person playing that killer ball into the box. I think he was uh, one of the um, players with highest uh, final third entry passes in the whole tournament. Uh, he was rolling back the years and showing that if you've got a football brain, it doesn't really matter how old you are. If you've got the brain and the technique to back it up, up. So um, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then I am going to go for Enzo Fernandez uh, because uh, again, he was amazing for that Argentine Argentina side. Uh, he was uh, a bit like Modric; he was all over the pitch. He was offering uh, in all sorts of situations. Um, I accept that my 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 eleven hasn't got such an attacking option, but I would say between with amrabat sitting behind uh and then uh, modric and enzo fernandez kind of uh, playing uh one as a number 8 and the other one sit, uh, going a bit further in front or vice versa um but I thought, I mean, Enzo Fernandez. I hadn't seen much of him before the tournament, and now I'm absolutely desperate for him to come to Arsenal. Um, and he's the player who I who we I left the tournament thinking, hmm, I really want my club to sign him. And I think there are people, there are clubs all over Europe thinking exactly the same. I know Chelsea have been sniffing around, uh, but luckily they've been a uh, palmed off to palm someone off is a, is a phrasal verb from rugby, which means to push someone away with the, with your hand. Uh, hopefully, uh, Benfica have palmed Chelsea off. Um, so yes, um, other, other people were Griezmann. He could have got in there. Um, McAllister, I thought McAllister was another standout player. Um, I also thought Bellingham was, was a very good player as well. He showed he, This was his breakthrough tournament. But um, I tried to give it to players who I thought were tested at the very highest level. So, for example, Musiala, I think probably in terms of quality, uh, technical ability, is probably good enough to play in this side. You're right. But this Germany side didn't show enough. Realistically, they went out in the group stages, so he only had one difficult game in theory against spain the costa rica and japan games um he didn't do it i mean against japan he didn't do enough to, to win the match for them um so that's that's the reason i am not using him and also the uh, time was it tyler adams you said tyler uh, the, adams. Yeah. yes for the same reason mm-hmm. um but i like your midfield tom i could be persuaded as well <laughs> um now i imagine that the only upfront position up for discussion is the central striker. Are we in agreement that Messi and Mbappe are definitely in this side?
1: We are in agreement. Yes. Shall I think, we? Uh, you know me, Tim. I am a contrarian, but sometimes you have to just go with you know what you see. You can't ignore the truth. And the reality is is that those two players were head and shoulders above nearly everybody else.
0: Yeah, I think they were. Um, You you saw Messi's, uh, well, I mean, just the ability to combine technique, vision, timing, tactical intelligence, combination with his teammates. Uh, And I think that one of the things which Messi has really been able to do over the years is master. Playing on the outside, on the wing, beating people for pace, beating people for trickery on the outside. But also when he comes inside, he sees the game like a centre midfielder or better. Um, He really is the perfect player. Uh, he's like a combination of a of a Riquelme And a Ronaldinho at times at their best um, in just in terms of the the areas of the pitch he can operate in. Um, And then, of course, Mbappe. I mean, he's a phenomenon, his physique, his uh, his finishing. I mean, some of his finishes, you think, wow, he's hit that ball so hard, so perfectly, so precisely. Um, He's unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. But you tell me, Tom, who did you give it? uh, Who did you give the central striking role to?
1: Well, Tim, if we're going back to my 4-2-3-1 formation, then it's going to... It was a toss-up between Richarlison and Julian Alvarez, and they were both fantastic in the tournament. Uh, Julian Alvarez uh, was clearly the the difference maker. When, when Scaloni settled him on him in the team, we found that not only did he do that job as the leading striker, but his uh, his work rate and uh, the trouble that he caused defenses and midfielders uh, was phenomenal for allowing argentina to win the ball back in midfield richardson we had just the quality of those goals uh, arguably the you know there was i think it was in the group game there was an overhead volley in particular uh, there was also his goal against switzerland where he's juggling the ball in the air in, the, in a 50-50 battle getting it down on the ground playing a one two so in terms of the quality of the goals, if we're playing four-two-three-one, I go with Richarlison. If we're going with four-three-three with with a, a striker, then I'd go with Alvarez. But Tim, I'm I'm a little bit unhappy about something because. There's no place for Griezmann in these lineups. And, well, uh... I told
0: you my, my Modric choice was a toss-up between Griezmann and, and Modric. Now, I can justify why I didn't go Griezmann, if you like. I didn't mm-hmm. go Griezmann because in the most important match of his life, apart from the other World Cup final he was he played in, he was hooked off by Didier Deschamps after 60-odd minutes. Um, when I say odd, I mean more or less 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, after 60-odd minutes, he was hooked off and he didn't have an impact on on that game um and that actually brings me to uh the same justification that i have for my striking uh position uh it was a toss up for me not between uh, alvarez and richarlison uh, i didn't put richarlison in because i although i do remember those goals and they were fantastic goals that game against croatia uh all of the ball was with brazil all of the chances were with brazil and in my in my in, in my experience of football if if you've got all that all that possession, all the, all that ball in the final third, then it's up to a striker to find space, to make the space, to 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 create half a yard uh on the ball or to get the run on a defender, which means to to move in an intelligent way into space so someone can feed you the ball. Um and uh and so I think he uh, he disappointed on the biggest stage and he had lots of opportunities to contribute. Um the the toss up between it wasn't so much of a toss up between in the end, because for the same reason that I didn't choose Griezmann, I didn't choose Giroud. I thought Giroud had a great tournament. Um, we spoke before the tournament about how Giroud would maybe be better for this France side than um, than, a, than a Karim Benzema in the way he brings other people into play. But that final, uh, he was hooked off in the first half with Dembele. And I think that was an embarrassing moment for him. And uh, I definitely can't justify putting in a player who, who who was hooked off so early, but Julian Alvarez was one of the revelations of the tournament. I think what you said hits the nail on the head and it uh, means uh, it's a hundred percent correct. He was a a total forward. He was he was the first line of defense. He was a contributor with his passing, with his movement. Uh, I'm sure if you played alongside Alvarez, Alvarez you would enjoy yourself because you'd have that extra space you'd maybe get that pass or one or two more passes in a game because he's always looking to, to bring others into the game and and when you've got another when I'm trying to think about the 11 as well and that's why I've gone for quite a defensive midfield because I'm thinking Messi's not going to do any defending and Mbappe's not going to do any defending so at least we want one of our strikers to do as much defending as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that makes sense. Yes. Alvarez, he's got that disruptive quality we talked about, which incidentally Griezmann also had. But we didn't see, you are right, that we didn't see it enough from Griezmann or Giroud in the final. France only really worked their way back into that final when they brought on the power and the pace and the aggression of the the, the substitutes. So yes, I think we're more or less settled then, Tim. We're, obviously, we're not settled on the formation, the ideal formation, but we can agree on most of these choices.
0: Nice. Um,
1: so then there's a couple
0: of things that we need to talk about still. Uh, the most dramatic moment, the best match apart from the final, and the greatest shit housery. So, Tom, which uh,
1: which one would you like to start with? Most dramatic moment. Uh, I, okay. would, I would definitely choose for that. Uh, 90 minutes, so I think we're into stoppage time at the end of 90 minutes and, and seven or eight minutes of stoppage time. The Dutch have a free kick in their quarterfinal against Argentina. Uh, we see a very cunning set piece, a set piece meaning a, a planned free kick from the training field uh, where the ball is played low into the path of Woot veghorst who knocks it into space and with his uh, giant six foot six frame and uh, stretches out a left boot to put it into the bottom corner uh, and send the whole Dutch side of the stadium into hysteria. They, they were dead and buried in that game with 83 minutes gone on the clock. Uh, they were the second best team for all of that game. So the, the way that they were able to come back into it and force extra time and totally even the scores again in that game for me was uh, the most dramatic moment of the tournament what did you yeah, do? yeah it
0: was a, it was a great moment wasn't it um it was one of those things where Everyone in the world was deceived. Nobody expected that free kick, uh, and that—that that for me is the beauty of football: the creativity, the artistic side. Um, brilliant. Uh, in fact, if you go onto YouTube, you will find that it's—it's it's happened a couple of times before in Dutch football. But no one else was. Uh, uh, the obviously the Argentina coach hadn't be uh, hadn't been on YouTube watching Dutch football. Um, I'm going to go for, and it's a controversial one because how long is a moment? Uh, I'm gonna go for that moment in the final where um Mouani was through on goal for France. Uh, we've already spoken about it. He shot. Martinez saved it, and then Argentina went right up the other end. And Lautaro Martinez, one of your friends, I'm a I'm a <laughs> I, I'm a long-term a long-term critic of Martinez, and I I think I might have been proven right this World Cup. Um, <laughs> and then he had that was it a header or was it a volley? I think it was a header that went wide of the uh the near post. I do and, know he, um,
1: he missed it. That's that's yeah, all he, he can missed say. it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: it was just it was just the emotions in that. Was probably about seventeen seconds separating the two misses, and and I, I was, I think, like like most people on this on this planet, was desperate for an Argentina victory, and uh, I was sure that Moani was going to score. All the momentum was with France at that point in the game, and then it went up the other end, and and I and I and I, I thought even I could score this header, but no, Martinez found a way to miss. So just the the roller coaster of emotions of that of those two misses very close together for me was the most dramatic moment.
1: You know. Know what tim I, you you might even have persuaded me on that one because this this is the beauty of these uh, at the end of a game and the, when it's such a dramatic game with all everything riding on it the game actually opens up and both teams really have a great chance to Attack down on the goal because the game's so wide open at that point. So yes. I think
0: when once we see and what we really see in group stages and in the early knockout stages and even at the beginning of matches, you see teams that are more afraid of losing than than, than trying to win the game. But what we saw in uh, in some of these matches at, in in the quarterfinals, semi-finals, and final at the World Cup were teams were just. Uh, throwing caution to the wind which means uh, ignoring worries ignoring caution and and attacking and taking chances and, and and it was a really a heart in mouth moment um so good fantastic what about the best match apart from the final tom i've got two uh for me it was a toss-up between two matches and i've i've chosen one for yeah i've chosen
1: one but you tell me yours first Okay, I'm going to mention one which I've already mentioned, actually. Uh, Holland-Argentina? No, I'm sure you won't have anticipated this one. It was the group stage game. It was uh, Spain-Germany, the second game in that group. Uh, Spain were winning 1-0. Germany, having lost their first game to Japan, were staring elimination in the face after only two group games. Uh, in that game, having watched the first half, you could see that Spain were technically better doing what the Spanish always do, keeping possession, working the ball up in that territory, in that typical uh, Barcelona style with players like Rodri pinging it around for, well, all those players. Uh, and Germany were looking in really deep trouble. But somehow, Germany, in particular, I, I enjoyed. Uh, Kimmich's role in in that team, but I have to say Musiala, we've talked about the sub who came on who we'd never heard of, who scored the goal, goal. Fulkrug, I believe his name is. Uh, Germany somehow found a way in that second half with more intensity, more drive to work their way back into the Spanish half and just push, not necessarily with the ball, keeping possession, but just with sheer determination to find a way back into that game. And it was eventually a Musiala run that broke into the path of Krug, and he smashed it into the back of the net. And I could just feel the the elation and the sense of relief that every German fan must have felt at that moment to feel, phew, we're still in this tournament after two games. Uh, I was sitting there Ripping my armchair, my palms were sweating, so that's why sweaty i chose hands, that one. sweaty sweaty yes. palms.
0: Yeah, so a palm, so the inside of your hands, the flat part of the inside of your hands. So, we've had that word a couple of times now to palm someone off. Uh, you're you have sweaty palms. Um, and another nice expression with palm is to know something. Like, oh, it's like the back of your hand, actually. It's not like uh-huh. your palm to know something like the back of your hand, to know it very well. Um, my best match, uh, it again was a toss-up. It was a World Cup of fantastic matches. Uh the match that came second for me was Holland Argentina. Um, but this was a match that was very exciting, but I didn't ever feel that both teams were playing well at the same time. Argentina played well, and then Holland played well. Um, so I didn't choose that one. I and and, and in fact, I chose a match that after, after full time was nil um, but it really took off in extra time and that was croatia brazil um I didn't, although it was nil-nil at half uh at full time, I, I liked Brazil's style of football. They were very attacking. Um, but at the same time, I, I appreciated Croatia's ability to sacrifice possession, to feel confident without the ball, um, to keep Brazil in areas of the pitch where they felt safe, maybe playing high balls into the box to Richarlison, where you expect a, a defender like Govren, uh, Lovren uh or or to, to to eat it up for breakfast. No problems at all. Um, and then that was the moment for me. That was the moment of the world cup, uh, the, the Neymar goal. Um, that, that for me was, was just beauty. It was beauty on a pitch. Neymar was the artist. The pitch was his, was his canvas and the ball was his paintbrush. Um, and, uh, it was just beautiful. And then, um, and then, then then the croatia goal with uh, with the deflection off marquinhos and then the penalty shootout and uh, i think everybody Wanted the underdog Croatia to win, but at the same time everybody's thinking, "What's a World Cup without Brazil, Neymar? This is his last World Cup." Um, It really, for me, captured the emotion of the World Cup really well. So um, that was that. That was my one. That was my one. That was one a good choice.
1: Midday. I have to say, uh, w- one comment: if we were to choose the best midfield of the tournament, that, that Croatian midfield with Modric, Modric Kovacic, and Borosovic. Uh, was exactly as you said. They were able to absorb the pressure. And when they did get the ball, keep it in those tight, difficult areas so that it was really so interesting on a tactical level to watch that game.
0: OK, now the moment we've all been waiting for, shit housery. So let's remind our students, uh, our listeners, uh, shithousery is not a rude term, although it does include a part of the word, which uh, is a swear word, um, It's not a rude term. It refers to gamesmanship. Gamesmanship is uh, uh, exploiting the rules of the game for your own benefit, maybe going outside the spirit of the law. Um, And I've got two contenders. And uh, I'll give you one guess, Tom, from which team that my two contenders come from.
1: Could it begin with an R and end in Gentina?
0: Yes, an <laughs> r as in the sound r not the letter r. Yes, 100%. Um and I still don't know which one to choose. I've been pulling my hair out all morning. Um personally the the Paredes uh when he kicks the ball into the into the Dutch uh um into the Dutch bench, it doesn't actually hit anybody, but uh, the way it in it, it it ignited a fire in that Dutch side that they, they invaded the pitch. I mean nobody likes to see it, but everybody likes to see it, it's one of those moments that you know you'll get. You'll get the more uh, formal, traditional newspapers talking about kind of how football's losing its ethics and losing its uh, honesty. But at the same time, every single one of the journalists who wrote those articles was loving it when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was uh, Martinez uh, in the fight in that penalty shootout, um, the throwing the ball away from Chulamani to uh, to, uh, to uh, break his his penalty uh, routine his kind of, uh, that pre-penalty routine that I'm sure he's, he's, uh, you know, he's pictured the penalty, he's pictured where he's going to put it. And he's, he thinks everything's in his control at that moment. And just to take that control away from Chulameni and, uh, and, and, and give the advantage back to Martinez. So Tom, I'm going to very generously, um, I'm going to give this one to you. Although if you may, you may have any other suggestions...
1: Uh, I, I picked exactly the same two incidents as you, and it really depends on how we judge them. Uh, in terms of the most influence uh, for a moment of shithousery, then we have to give it to Emmy Martinez. Really, you know, not only for the fact that Chueh many missed the penalty, uh, the joyful shoulder wriggle, the little dance he did afterwards was was something you know, that to, to just the, the icing on top of the cake, really, of that moment. Uh, but I have to say I'd actually chosen the Leandro Paredes smashing the ball into the Dutch bench one just for the fun of it because it, it, it's almost like lighting a firework. When you do something like that, it's like firing a rocket into a crowd. It, it's a catalyst that just creates an explosion of anger and energy and all the players running onto the pitch. And I have to say, a lot of credit to Virgil van Dijk because at that moment in the game, he was one of the few players who had not received the yellow card at that point. And he was able to diffuse the situation by running up to Paredes and pushing him down and taking the yellow card. Uh, but almost as a you know a way of getting retribution on behalf of his old team. By retribution, I mean getting revenge. revenge. Yes, exactly. So for fun, I, I would choose Paredes. But for the most influential piece of shithousery, Emmy Mart- Martinez he should he should get an extra trophy of a you know a, a trophy of a of a shed a shit house i think uh, yeah <laughs> <A turd. laughs> um
0: uh yeah i think i agree and i think there's probably a lot of dark arts that maybe in that final we uh, penalty shootout uh we we could see on camera the how he threw the ball away but i think uh there's a constant uh commentary when the when the attacking players coming up to get the ball he's insulting members of their family he's saying he's seen them in 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 girls clothes and uh you you know big girls' blouse, which was a insult in the past uh, to to say someone's weak and pathetic. Um, and I think you know he he likes these dark arts, and uh, and he's he's mastered them. It's, he did it at the Copa America last year. Um, and with 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 Martinez, it swings. Instead of your you favour the penalty taker, you favour the goalkeeper. Anyway, Tom, we're just about to run out of time. So if you could tell our listeners how they can get involved in the conversation or or, or contribute to the show. So.
1: Well, first of all, if our listeners enjoy what they do, what we do, and they want to help us, then please uh, leave us a rating or, or, or even write a few words as a review on on the platform that you're listening to us on. Uh, you can get in contact with us. We've got a Facebook page, Left Pod. Uh, we've also got a TikTok channel. We've got a YouTube Shorts channel. Come and subscribe there. Uh, send us a message. Basically, on, on I guess Facebook is the most direct way to get in touch with me. I think you've got an Instagram channel going as well. Yes, well, it's, it's coming as well. It's early stages.
0: Yes, it's early stages. Uh, All right, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we'll be back for speaking more football soon. Thank you, Tim. Bye bye. Cheers, guys.